this weekend at the box office. Dumbledore is out, and so are his secrets as Warner Brothers is left in a difficult position. Plus, the round of 32 concludes as Multiplex Madness continues. We're going over everything that happened at a theater near you on this, the 195th episode of What's in the Box Office. Hello everyone and welcome to What's in the Box Office, your weekly look at movies and the money they make. Each week we sit down and pour over the weekend's box office returns and tell you what we think they mean for the industry at large. I'm your host Brian. And I'm your host Noah and here's a secret for you Dumbledore. Nobody cares! I guess a few people, but way fewer people than used to care. About his secrets? Uh, yeah. Sure. Just his comings and goings. I see. I... And yes, his secrets in particular, mm -hmm. uh, that is what is advertised They say secrets, here. but I think there's just one of them in the movie. With Ezra that... Miller. <laughs> sure. It's plural. I, I mean, he's gay? I don't think that's like a secret in this. The, the whole thing in this is that he says to Grindelwald at one point, like, you know, when we fell in love or, you know, you, we used to be close or something like that. Yeah. No, I, 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 know he, I know he does specifically say, like, that's why I fell in love with you or whatever. Yeah, and uh, they mean. just just go ahead and cut that out in certain markets. Sure. And the, the, the meaning is still the same. The feeling is there. Jude Law is that good So is our Chinese money. I, so, yes, here's a secret for you. My top five. Two secrets. See, those are uh, the secrets of Noah. Yes. Uh, in honor of the uh, triumphant debut of We're All Going to the World's Fair, uh, I have listed my top five carnival rides. Did that even chart? Oh, it, yeah, did. it did. Down there. Okay. It's in three theaters this weekend, mm -hmm. and we saw one of them. I, so carnival rides. I, you been on many carnival rides? You been a, much of a carnival guy? No. Do okay. you see my size? I'm not, I, I mean, I'm, not, a, I'm not risking humiliation and them being like, we cannot get this over your stomach. Please leave. They are, uh, they are often... Uh, more freeform than that. That's kind of one one of the charms of a carnival. I'm not talking mm. like big amusement park style things. I uh, so number five is more of a uh, more of a standard like lap bar kind of ride. Uh, it's the octopus. I don't know what it's actually called, but it's one of those things where mm. uh, it looks like an octopus and its arms go up and down, and attached to each arm is like a car that spins. So you're kind of going up and down and spinning. I uh, and those can be yeah uh, those can be a little fun you know I'm a uh, I'm a big like thrill ride kind of guy I love a huge roller coaster like a giant drop uh, those things which is not an experience you get much of at a carnival much uh, smaller lower stakes uh, but the octopus is fun uh, number four a uh, classic and all timer bumper cars I. Mm. Uh, Came in low on the list because depending on the carnival you're at, depending on the bumper cars you're in, these can uh, hurt pretty good. Yeah. And crashing into stuff, you're knocking around, and uh, you're very sore the next day. But it's fun to be able to crash into stuff without uh, worrying about, like, worrying seriously about your physical health. Uh, there's a little, uh, there's a little edge to it. It's exciting. Uh, number three, the least mechanical on this list. Uh, I've called it the sack slide. Which is uh, one of those, uh, it's like a big uh, a big slide, multi-tiered, where you uh, get in like a burlap sack, and you just slide down the slide. I don't know what this is. Uh, 
Well, it's, uh, I mean, it's just, uh, it's just as it sounds. Before. You've never seen this before. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Just very, very charming. Uh, you know, no no levers involved, no motor oil. It's just, you're just sliding down a slide, and the uh, the burlap sack gives you a big, like, county fair kind of feel. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, and you go a little faster. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Number two, number two, the uh, two and one are kind of two sides of the same coin here. Uh, I've gone the Ferris wheel at number two, uh, your uh, your vertical wheel, just very uh, very classic, low key experience. It's fun to be high up and just uh, just chill out, enjoy the vibes. Uh, and number one, I've gone the uh, sort of the horizontal wheel, by far the most thrilling ride, which is why it makes my number one. Uh, I don't know what it's called. But it's one of those big spinning wheels where you get in. You're not strapped in. Yeah, you just uh, you just stand against sure. the vertical wall, and the uh, force of the spin keeps you suspended as it gets up and spins really fast. Uh, very cool. Not strapped into anything. That's exciting. Uh, I am all about that. All right. Uh, as far as our actual top five goes this weekend. Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore opened at number one with $42.1 million. Sonic the Hedgehog 2 came in at number two with $29.3 million. That was a 59.4% drop. It's up to 118.9. The Lost City came in at number three with 6.2. It's a 31.2% drop. That is up to 78.2. Everything Everywhere All at Once came in at number four with $6.1 million. That is an increase of 2.1%. And is up to a total of 17.6 million. And number five was the opening of Father Stew with 5.4 million dollars. What do you think of when you see that opening for Fantastic Beasts? I I think that I not a disaster, but not good. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it could have gone lower, but this is pretty much as uh... encroaching on disaster. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. This isn't good. This is um, the first film opened with 75, 74. Second film opened with 60. I have the numbers. I don't know why I'm just guessing. First one opened with 62, 74. Next one opened with 62. So that's a drop of 12 million. This is now a drop of 20. Right. So... What happened? Well, it's, there's a lot of factors. One of them being uh, audiences were burned after uh, the crimes of Grindelwald. Nobody liked it. And so the perception is negative. So why would they come to the next one, especially when reviews were better, but still not even as high as the first Fantastic Beast movie? There's nothing new added to the pot. You add in the controversies with JK, which really kicked into gear... In June of 2020, Ezra Miller, um, that v- famous video of him was April 2020, so after the release of the second one, and then most recently his thing. But, you know, they got rid of Johnny Depp, but it's a storyline no one cares about that's not deeply rooted in an audience interest. And it's the it's three strikes and you're out. They initially planned this as a five film series, and it's been reported maybe a week ago that Warner Brothers does not have a script for either of the other ones yet. They're very much in the let's wait and see camp. And after this, 
I feel like you either call it quits or you force feed um, as many legacy characters into it as you can. Suddenly Hagrid has a part to play in Grindelwald's thing. Yeah. McGonagall is more I mean, prevalent. if anyone has a reason to be in the Fantastic Beasts movie, it's Hagrid. Yeah. I. Why wouldn't he be friends with Newt? I don't know how old Hagrid is. Maybe he's dead. I don't know. But it's just the kind of thing where you can't keep letting an audience down and expect them to keep showing up. And that's what's happened here. There's no investment in these characters. They, they threw Dumbledore in the title in the hopes that that would get people to show up. It clearly did not. I mean, opening with 40 million, especially, you know, I don't want to say in today's marketplace because today's marketplace looks much different than last year's marketplace, but in a post pandemic marketplace is, is, is still a get. And I, I heard, that um, this was a very uh, female-centric and the people who went to see it, which is huge because they're the ones who have been more hesitant to return to theaters Mm -hmm. than us dumb men. Um, And so it's, yeah, I I just, it's not a good number. And it's it's not taking too well in China um, because their COVID cases are still spiking and half their theaters are closed down. And also just the general outlook on Hollywood movies is that they're like, we have our own shit. Why do yeah. we need your your garbage? That ship has sailed. Um, it's not going to play, I don't think, in Russia. So it's just under $200 million and this is going to be a movie that um, might have a hard time breaking 100 which if the, is the case, would be the first Harry Potter property not to cross $100 million. And if we recall, the last Harry Potter movie broke the opening day record with $92 million. So the idea that this film in that universe will have a hard time crossing that number is very surprising and should be startling for Warner Brothers. You know, I I hear that this, this does end on a place where you can end the franchise if you want. You know, like they haven't defeated Grindelwald, but there's... Some kind of closure in some regard. I don't know. Sure. I haven't seen it. So, which is which is argue probably the plan. You know that when Warner Brothers brought on Steve Knowles, they're probably like, make sure this this can end, and if it's the case, then that's the case. So yeah, either you do one more, you get that cost down to one hundred and fifty million dollars. I think this probably costs about two, and if this costs one hundred and fifty, you get the cost down to one twenty. You set it in like two locations, or just entirely at Hogwarts, <laughs> whatever. And you stack it with as many, hey, look, it's these people with the actors who played them, preferably, um, as you can. And hope for the best. And maybe stunt cast Grindelwald again. Yeah, I mean, I think at this point you have to. You can't can't change him three times and then just keep the guy. He's got to be a new guy every movie. Okay. You can see what uh, Denzel Washington is doing. Sure. (laughs) I... This is really encouraging to me in the way that audiences can still recognize when a movie is just complete corporate soulless bullshit. There is such an inherent like goodwill to the Harry Potter IP. There's such a rabid fan base of people that just kind of want to love and consume whatever you put out. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that they just clearly didn't even make 
like the faintest effort toward like what if we made a good interesting movie series it's just like what's a they picked a they picked a textbook that had a name that people would recognize and then like slowly tried to fool us and grafted a completely different story onto it. Is it a different story or is it the story of a lonely outcast wizard who has to take on a wizard Hitler? I, I, don't, I don't mean a different story than the Harry Potter franchise. But isn't that I interesting just, how it just turned into Harry Potter? Yeah. Well, that's again, because no one... Dumbledore no one, playing the same role. No one put any sort of thoughtfulness towards this at all. I, But I mean, like, they started out being like, what if we had this quirky wizard who liked beasts and we made a five film franchise about that. And then at the end of it, it's just like, well, it's about saving the world from fucking wizard Nazis. Yeah. I, and we were just supposed to be like, wow, great. Harry Potter. I love it. And people just clearly recognize that your movies suck and you have to try a a little bit harder. The bar is not high to clear. Yeah. To get people to just be like, wow, the latest entry in my beloved franchise. Let's all go at once. But you you have to try a little bit still. I heard that uh, Warner Brothers sent out the press release for the fact that the Batman crossed 750 worldwide this weekend before uh-huh. they sent out the uh, weekend results for Fantastic Beasts to journalists. Yeah, well... And try Try harder next time, guys. Now you can watch The Batman, which made... $3 million this weekend at home. Good move. <laughs> Our one bright spot this weekend. You don't have to go to the theater. All right. Let's yeah. Talk about Wizarding World. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about Father it's Stew. It's possible that <laughs> Wizarding World is uh, ending as we know it. Father Stew made $5 million. It opened, I think, on Wednesday. Yeah, probably. Uh, $7 million total. Uh, almost eight. I don't know. <laughs> I I feel like this is as good as this could have gotten. I mean, you know, we the, in the past we've talked a lot about how faith-based movies, especially this time of year, really can hit. You know, the heaven yeah. is for reals can open to t- almost thirty million dollars. And sure, your firefighters, for son God. of yeah, yeah, son of God can open to like twenty-five or whatever. But that, those days have passed. Audiences are more selective and. Despite the banging star power of Mel Gibson, this just didn't um, pull him in. I mean, the reviews were mixed negative, the buzz wasn't there, and the story wasn't interesting. I mean, Mark Wahlberg does have, like, some star power to him. Yeah, but not not in stuff like this. Yeah. I just... I, to me, this uh, this number is just, like, openly not good for what this movie is. Uh, may, maybe the days of it making 2025 have passed us. But, like, I feel like it should have made 10. If this had made 10, it would have been, like, fine. You know, whatever. I guess it was a swing and a miss. Five just seems pretty bad. I mean, Joe Bell didn't make any money last summer. Infinite went straight to Paramount+. Plus. Spencer Confidential... Was the most watched property in Netflix it's history. One of them. It's one of them. Yeah, his his last big um, starring role was Instant Family, which made 67 in November. But Mile 22 didn't do well. Remember that? Yeah. All the Money in the World. We know what happened with that. 
his last collaboration with uh, Mel Gibson, Daddy's Home 2, uh, made uh, uh, 104 thanks to Will Ferrell and uh, Holidays, uh, down from like the 160 of the first one. So yeah, I mean, I think that he he's he's a star as everyone is. He's the yeah. star in the right role. This wasn't it. This 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 either is an Oscar player and makes money, or it doesn't make money. I truly have no memory of him being in all the money in the world. He was the star. Was he? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it was him. I thought the star was Chris Plummer. No, he was the supporting star. It was the um. Yeah, it was the whole controversy with he he got paid like ten million for the reshoot shoots. Uh-huh. Michelle Williams got paid like a million, and you don't remember that? No, I I I remember there being a controversy of that nature. I just you know I we saw that movie in the theater. It does say and Mark Wahlberg, and so I'm, maybe and I'm thinking back on it, and I cannot picture. I was going to say, I can't picture a single scene with him in it. I really can't picture a single scene. But, yeah, no no recollection of that at all. Well, there you go. Well, no recollection of Father Stu. Although maybe you will because it's a major movie with Mel Gibson, which is always I I'll, I'll probably I, I will be more always likely to remember shocking. him in Father Stu, though I will never see it. No, nor should you, unless we do another Multiplex Sadness. Watch it be nominated for... Will not like be nominated. Production design. Yeah, makeup for his giant jowls that yeah. he has later in the film. In its second weekend, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 made $29 million, a drop of 59.4, and a total of 119. All right. Arguably, I thought this would hold better, which probably sure. was just my mistake. Uh, Fantastic Beasts is, is aimed at children as well, and also how far does the Sonic buck reach? But in my mind, this was a breakout sequel, and I probably should have read that it wouldn't be after the opening weekend was only was significant enough, but not breakout uh, far away from the first one. Sure. So we're not so we're not looking at like two hundred plus for Sonic no, two. Not unless it really levels out and the bad guys, which comes out next weekend, does nothing. So That seems possible. I don't know, it's already made fifty seven worldwide Goodness. overseas. Um but that just animation travels because sure. it doesn't look weird. You can just have voice actors from those countries. Yeah. That makes sense. Um all right. But yeah, I mean it's it's right now, after two weekends, this first Sonic was at one oh six. And this one's at 119. So we are looking. It's going to make more than the first one for sure. And it will be the highest grossing video game adaptation, beating the first Sonic. But how high it goes is going to be what we're going to pay attention to. Looks like it's probably going to... It'll definitely get into 160s, could get as high as 180. And yeah, if it if it levels out now, like everything mostly has been, you know, yeah. The Lost City dropped hard in its second weekend, and now it's cruising to 100 million... Uh, domestic, so it, it could level out, especially because there's nothing really for children except for the bad guys until late May, I think. Wow. Yeah. So certainly, Lightyear is the next big one, which is in June. Yeah. So it's possible that it it, it levels out and gets close to 200. Either way, if they do do a third, I don't know how this one ends. Um, Carrie would be great, and I would. Uh, I don't think you really need to change anything. I don't know how much. I don't know the lore of Sonic, so I don't know how much they can add to it. I do know that I do know what the end credit is. Okay, <clears throat> is it Shadow? 
I don't. Do you want me to tell you what it is? I. No, not yet. I. <laughs> I think it is. Okay. There's still. I don't a... know what any of that means, but that sounds like that could be it. Yeah. There's. There's still a uh, a whole other, like tier of Sonic lore that they can dip into. By the way, I would at this point try to stunt cast a little higher than Idris Elba for sure. your voice. Um. Yeah, but as far as this goes, it's it's still a hit. Paramount is still crushing it, so just didn't hold as well as I thought. But it's only its second weekend; it might level yeah, out. That's fine. Ambulance is in seventh place. It dropped fifty three percent. It made four million this weekend, fifteen million total. It's at forty worldwide. It costs forty, so it's not doing well. You all should see it at some point, though. Yeah, it's fun. Everything, everywhere, all at once, as you said, is in fourth. It's in our spotlight. It up. Uh, Rose two percent. It added about nine hundred and seventy theaters. Made another six, seventeen. It's crossed the Green Knight on a twenty four's list of highest grossing films, um, and it's going to keep going. I don't. I'm surprised that just with that increase, it rose this weekend. They're not going to add more theaters. I, I can't okay. imagine that was that was going to be my uh, my first question if, to you. I don't. There's no way they're going to get this in over three thousand. Okay. I just it's. I don't think that's going to be feasible. Although, again, we're not going to have that many big movies. Yeah, April 18th. Well, we got like two weeks. So, yeah, no. I mean, the only reason to get it into 3,000 theaters is going to be because the marketplace is dead. So if they do do that, then in two weeks, those are going to be taken away by Doctor Strange. So it might go into a couple more hundred, but it's going to level out. But getting to 30 is almost for sure going to happen. And this is a huge success story for specialty cinema. This is just an incredible thing to watch. We've seen the likes of, you know, auteurs like uh, Wes Anderson just put out movies in this environment and just not have them be as much as their, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah. Um, the Andersons in general. And uh, you... Paul W.S. Yeah, and they haven't um, really broken out like their past ones have or really even measured up all that much to, you know, the French dispatch was like star studded and it made like barely what Isle of Dogs made. So it's, it's tough right now. So this is very encouraging for specialty cinema uh, in general. And yeah, go ahead. I just, I think this, what this really shows to me is the value of something kind of unique. I, you know, the, the Wes Anderson movies, are great i'm very fond of them but they're all basically kind of the same thing a wes anderson movie isn't going to come out and get like a bunch of buzz going of like oh oh my god if you if you heard if you heard about this new uh this new wes anderson movie mm-hmm. it's uh it's this it's that because it is it's going to be very similar to several other wes anderson movies that have come out uh whereas Everything everywhere all at once is kind of this it's like this fresh, exciting blend of both sort of indie art house movies and like the broad sensibilities of the uh, of like what blockbusters are today. It's like what if what if indie directors made Doctor Strange and did it really well and then uh, that that's the kind of thing that'll still get people buzzing. Being like, you heard about this movie? It's really cool. It's really, it's really, it's really, it's really interesting. Like, we should see it. You should see it. And then suddenly, people see it. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's nice to know that word of mouth still exists for smaller movies. Yeah, 
And then the last thing I have, uh, India has another hit with uh, KGF Chapter 2. I don't think you'll see it on your thing. It, it opened in just a small amount of theaters here. But worldwide this weekend, it made $71 million. So the uh, the marketplace there is just booming right now, especially worldwide. It's a huge market for it. We're seeing more and more of these titles. It's almost like um, China was... Like four years ago, they like yeah. kept having movies not in the same stratosphere. In the in the, these films from India aren't in the same stratosphere as those. Those were like, in but in China, like every few weeks, I would hear of another movie that made like three hundred million, five hundred million, like yeah. one of the highest grossing movies of all time. And I was just like, oh my god! And that's what led to them not really caring about our blockbusters. We don't have a huge market share in India. But it's just nice to see a, a country go on a huge winning streak. Like yeah. Been. Well, I think their secret is that they don't spend very much of the movie budget on uh, filling out a title. Just letters. KGF Chapter 2. I don't know what it stands for. I didn't look it up. I don't know. But RRR. Uh, RRR. Yeah. Point. Yeah. You're right. I'm noticing a trend. All right. That's it. All right. Well, then it's time to play everybody's favorite game. Did it make more or less than Ted? We all know how to play. I am a movie. You tell me whether it made more or less than Ted at the box office for a bonus point. Tell me what year the movie came out. Are you ready to play? Yeah. Your first film is National Treasure, Book of Secrets. Um, Less. More. Okay. 2007. Correct. I. Yes, Justin so. Bartha. Yeah. Who is in Geely. Uh, will be reprising his role from National Treasure on the National Treasure show that Disney is doing for Disney+. Plus. Oh, is he like the star? Have you never seen National Treasure? No, I mean of the show. No, no, I think he's just like a guest star. <laughs> Nicholas Cage, just the star of National so Treasure. I'm confused. Familiar. No, no, I think he's just appearing on okay. it. Okay. Uh, your second film, uh, in honor of the upcoming, uh, Doctor Strange. More. That is more, yes. 2016. Also correct. Yeah. So you've locked in the win, but let's see if you can pad your score with the blind side. Blind side made more. It did make more. 2009. Uh, that is correct. And uh, just for the record, uh, way more. Like 250 or yeah, some shit. Yeah, yeah well side. exceeded Ted. Blind side is, was a massive smash. But you had to think about it for a second. I I did, yeah. So I'll take that as a programming win. Okay. Five points. Congratulations. Well done. Thank you. Uh, on to Come and Gone from a theater near you. Brian, are you ready to go back in time? Yes. We're doing 2007. This is week 15. April 13th. Uh, one movie. Open number one. A uh, fun little thing that I know you're very fond of. And I also enjoyed. Hmm. Friday the 13th. Was it a horror film? Did you say April 13th? April 13th, yes. Yeah. Was it a horror film? I No. It's a thriller? That I'm fond of, that you kind of enjoy. I enjoy. I, I think you are particularly fond of it, and I saw it in theaters and thought it was good. Did you see it with me? I think so. Not positive, but I think so. Mm. Give me some more. Uh, all right. Uh, stars, uh, one of your favorites. I uh, is sort of a, a 
not like young adult in like it's a YA thriller, but it is. Oh, oh, why? Aimed, it is aimed more. He was one of my faves. I think that adults. he's a little on the side of let's not throw around that he's one of my faves. Oh yeah, yeah. Things have changed. Oh yeah, last year. Uh, no, um, award season twenty twenty. So like November, December twenty twenty, things have changed. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Disturbia. Yeah. Great film. I have to fill me in on those details. Uh, yeah, I will. It's up. very upsetting. It's very I, upsetting. It's I, not. It's not. Ir- it's not not irredeemable. It's not like, like, permanent. Probably, sure. you know what I mean. But it's okay. certainly like, cool off. I've, go talk to some people. I've long since checked out on news about Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> so I'm sure that came across my desk, and I was just like, no, I don't care. That's probably true. Yeah, that Good opened. God. That is such a sad, well, it's not sad because of what he did, but like the idea of like, he was just such a prom. It was so cool for me to watch this kid be so good in uh-huh. Stevens and be like, that's a comedic performance that I'm so attuned to. He's so great. It's different than anything else on kids TV. Right. And then he does the holes movie. And I was like, this is like my favorite book as a kid. And now he's in it. That's incredible. And then he gets this movie and he's like an adult and the movie's good. And then Spielberg is like, he's like, Spielberg's like, he's the next big thing. I'm putting him in uh, Eagle Eye, which I'll produce. It was just the same director as this. I'm putting him in Indiana Jones. Transformers. No, Transformers, which Spielberg produced. Sky was the limit. He was going to be like the next Tom Hanks. That's what people were saying. Anyway. You know whose star has not fallen from Disturbia? Sarah Romer. Uh, No. The uh, the villain who I'm, David Morse. Yes, Morse. God, I could not. Yeah, who plays mom? With Morse. Uh, I don't know. So like find Jennifer out. Lee, Jennifer Jason Lee. No, Elizabeth Shue. I uh, let's see, Carrie Ann Moss. Oh right. I uh, yeah, David Morse. Very cool. Always happy to see him and stuff. Disturbia open to twenty four. Uh, oh right, the game. Uh, 22, 22.2. Very well done. All right. Uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was it. A uh, bunch of other stuff opened, but I've don't really know what any of it is. Ah, Aqua Teen Hunger Force colon movie film for theaters. Oh, Open Open 13th place. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's all. All right. Noah Damas, you had a prediction. Oh boy. You said Fantastic Beast would open to 35. Okay. I'm putting that in the gray, buddy. Yeah. Here's uh here's what I'll say in my defense uh of that uh of that guess and I appreciate the gray all uh, all the same. I I think the spirit of my guess was going to be like not quite a disaster but pretty bad, mm-hmm. but I was still accounting for the pandemic being more of a factor on the box office. I uh, so the the broad idea of my guess, and I, I I accept the gray. I'm not arguing for a green here, but I'm I personally count as like a spiritual win. You okay, know? sure. Um, but it was seven million off. So yeah, yeah. Uh, we have a new one today. Love a big it. trailer dropped. Big teaser. Little tease. Uh, Taika Waititi. Well, decide on the size. Is it big? Is it little? It's is a it medium? Beep, 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 tease. <laughs> the smallest tease in the world. It's the smallest tease in the world. Uh, Stuart Little size tease. Oh, Stuart Little, such a tease. 
When are you going to give it up, Stu? <laughs> Father Stu? Of course, no. <laughs> of course, Love and Thunder, colon, G- uh, Thor. <laughs> That's what it's called. Um, Taika Waititi, Everyone's Back. Baby, let's watch this teaser. Noah hasn't seen it. I have. We're going to stop the recording and watch it. He'll give you his instant reaction and instant prediction for its opening weekend, which is very soon from now, less than three months. It might sound weird. We haven't done it in a while. Maybe we'll screw it up, but I don't think so. It'll probably be, as always, seem less. Definitely ACDC's best song? I uh, Well, it's definitely Guns N' Roses. Uh, no, no, but it's the best song ACDC will ever do. I mean, it's way better than any of ACDC's songs. Best Guns N' Roses song, though. That's what I meant. I... Oh God, that's a it's 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 certainly up there. That guitar lick is uh, so good. Yeah, I'm uh, very fond of Paradise City. And they're from Australia, are they? I didn't know that. I think so. Which I, I say that as if this was shot there. I'm pretty sure this was shot in New Zealand. I can sure. check. Thor, Love and Thunder, Noah. Yeah. I cannot wait. You didn't laugh at the big gag, so I'm really curious. What did you think? I, I am. Very relieved to find that the tone of the trailer is kind of more serious, more not serious, but like sincere. Yeah. Uh, it's not super wack. It's clearly still going to be like a funny movie, right. but it is uh, it is attempting to reach some sort of uh, and I I use this I use this term loosely in Marvel adjusted terms, but like closure. emotionalism and oh, closure and yeah. Uh, things of that nature. Yeah. Uh, and I think that will be a great way to sort of uh, gird against, like, just doing another, like, big, wild, wacky Taika movie yeah. uh, while still maintaining those uh, those sensibilities and keep it fresh. Yeah. Uh, good trailer. I liked it. I think it looks great. I'm so excited. Just it looks different than, like, the other MCU films. And we've yes. gotten a lot... Of similar MCU films, you know, I thought Chloe would be able to put her stamp on it, and I liked Eternals more than you, but it looked, I guess it was shot great, but like, it just felt like an MCU film. This looks like what we got with Ragnarok, which is just like a breath of fresh air. Um, I, I watched it a second time today, and I almost got like emotional. There's something about... We've just gone on such a journey with him. Yeah. You know, his first movie was 2011. That was tw- eleven years ago. This is his fourth yeah. film. It, it's one of the great things you get just with these long-running franchise characters is yeah. that, kind of regardless of, the level of output, as long as it's like basically fine, you just kind of become like attached to their journey. This is a, you know, I mean, Logan was good on its own, right? But a big part of that was just like we've been we've been watching Wolverine movies. Since for, we since we were nine, yeah, and forever, and like none of them were very good, but they were all mostly. I mean, mostly the first, okay. The first Thor came out when we were twenty. Yeah, really. Yeah, two thousand eleven. Wow. And I feel like, you know, he's so good in the role, and the like the guitar, like and just what that song is, is really sweet. And the I, I love the idea of the film, like the pitch is that like, he's done. Yeah. You know, he just wants to live. He wants, and and not only that, but he just wants to find another purpose. Like it's one thing 
for a character like this to be like, I'm no longer killing people. But for him to be like, I'm, you know, I'm just going to rest. But he's like, I don't want to rest. I just want to find out what I'm doing yeah, next. Yeah, I just want to do something. Like, I don't, I don't exist to fight Malekith, yeah. the god of the dark elves or yeah. whatever. Yeah, and I'm glad people online are disappointed that he's not Fat Thor. But me as a fat man, I'm uh-huh. glad he's not Fat Thor because I never found those jokes funny. Yeah. Was... Where they're like, what is his blood? Cheese whiz? I think it's something Rhodey says in Endgame. And I'm like, no, it's not. We just have blood. Yeah. Sorry. One of the uh, one of the less successful parts of yeah. Endgame, indeed. But Korg seems like he's all over that. He's yeah. in a bunch of shots. I love that the Guardians are in it for like a little, like they're the first, you know, probably ten minutes. The first act maybe uh-huh. is the Guardians, and they follow. That's such a a great shot though when he says, "Look at the eyes of the ones you love," and like that's such a Taika thing to just have him come into frame and also then him to try to move out of it. Yeah, thought that was great. Um and it just looks different than the other one too. Like it just there's something about this one and the other one that just looks this looks brighter and almost lighter on its feet. Um Valkyrie's back. I mean everyone's back and Jane's back as Mighty Thor. Yeah. That'll be fun. She looks cool. Her her arms. Yeah. She, I mean I, I know that she there are pictures set pictures of her and she is like buff. I wonder if the trailer emphasized her enough. I don't. I wonder, I, I, like, I think, with the helmet. Yeah, I think and general audiences won't know that it's her, yeah. which is fine, because the kick of that is like a female Thor. Sure. And then in the second trailer, they'll go, "Oh, that's that was Jane." Yeah. You know, I think that's the, Natalie Portman's here. Yeah. Sure. Again, so I'm very excited, and like I said, I just like, I just you know, Spider Man, and the second half of Shang Chi. And Eternals and Black Widow and what Doctor Strange is going to be like a fun Marvel movie. Yeah. <laughs> That's light and not about the world ending. Won't that be fun to watch, you know? Yeah. I'm, uh, They've all been I'm so heavy it. and I like the MCU, but they're all so heavy. And, and I'm like, yes, bring back the lightness. And it's got a great poster. I'll show you later. July 8th, 2022. What do you got? Opening weekend. This movie is going to open to exactly, and I mean exactly, $165 million. Okay. Mark it down. Just for no reference. No more, no less. 165 Yes. Just for reference, Thor Ragnarok opened to... Hold on. There we go. Open to 122 back in 2017. That's another thing. It's been four years since we had... Five years since we had a Thor movie. Well, that's going to be quite the leap for the Thor franchise. Be that as it may, it's happening. All right. Multiplex Sadness. Here we go. Let's conclude the round of 32. We've got four divisions... Um, that we're going to be going through the Hayao Miyazaki division, which is the family films, the Tony Scott division, which is the action films, the Nora Ephron division, the com the no the reboots and remakes. Indeed, thank you. And the Justin Lin division, which is the franchise enders, as we called it. I uh, Nora Ephron, uh, I think, is Star Crash. That's correct. Is what it is. Thank you. I uh, reboots and remakes replaced our horror. That's right. Uh, John Carpenter John division, Carpenter. as I recall. Hayao Miyazaki's first up. The one seed, Mars Needs Moms, takes on the eight seed, Hugo. The four seed, nope. 
<laughs> the one seed Mars Needs Moms takes on the four seed Tomorrowland, and the three seed Playmobil takes on the seven seed The Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle. Mars Needs Moms opened March 11, 2011. Opening weekend, $7 million, a budget of $150, and a final gross of $21 and $39 worldwide. Tomorrowland opened May 22, 2015. Opening weekend, $35 million. It opened on Memorial Day weekend, so its five-day was $42. Budget was $180, and a final gross of $93 domestic, $209 worldwide. We have five criteria. First film to three moves on. What are they, Noah? So we do worst profit relative to budget, uh, pretty self-explanatory. We do worst movie, worst movie, uh, also pretty self-explanatory. Uh, easier Road to Success, the movie that was uh, better positioned to make money and still failed to, gets the point there. Uh, furthest from Success, uh, the movie you need to change more aspects about or change a bigger aspect about to turn it into a potential success, gets the point there. Uh, and then finally, Legacy, the movie with either the worse legacy or the smaller legacy uh, advances on. That's absolutely correct. So, first one, bigger profit altered to budget. Mars Needs Moms had a budget of 150 and a gross of 39 That's profit of 26%. Tomorrowland had a profit of 180 a budget of 180 a profit. Gross of 209 and a profit of 110.1 goes to Mars Needs Moms. Now, last week we said that this was all too much mm. for us. And so if we hadn't gotten to a movie to watch yet, this is two weeks ago. We haven't Maybe. gotten a movie to watch yet. Then we're just going to take the whichever one had a worse Metacritic rating and award the points of that film. And we promised you that we wouldn't do that again. The next time we get to these movies we hadn't seen, we will watch them. And boy, howdy, did we watch them. Probably our worst batch. I think the second half of this was worse than the first. I think that's, uh, I think that's possible. It was certainly like the most concentrated bad movies. Because the ones we decided to skip were the ones that we put off uh, because we knew that they would be yeah. deeply unpleasant bad, bad, to bad. watch. Like Mars Needs Moms. Yes. Which is the worst film here. Worst uh, film over Tomorrowland. Oh, yes. Yeah, between these two, absolutely. Yeah. That is uh, without a doubt true. All right. Uh, next quick is... Quick 2 for Mars Needs Moms. What? Uh, next is Easier Road to Success. All right, so Mars Needs Moms opened to number five against Battle Los Angeles' first weekend. Rango was in number two in its second, and Red Riding Hood, remember that? Was in its first yeah. one. Catherine Hardwick, Amanda Seyfried. Yeah. Made $14 million, Noah. It's a lot now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It was number... Father Stu made five. Marzine's Moms was number eight in its second weekend. It dropped 23%. Five million that weekend, fifteen total. Robert Zemeckis produced it. He directed the Polar Express, Beowulf, and A Christmas Carol, all uh, employing similar animation techniques. It had controversies due to its subject matter of literally mothers dying, and the film being aimed directly at about four-year-olds. Indeed. Thirty-seven on Rotten Tomatoes, forty-nine on Metacritic. Tomorrowland opened at number one against Pitch Perfect 2's second weekend and Mad Max Fury Road's second weekend. It dropped to number three the following frame with 56% drop. Brad Bird 
directed and co-wrote the film. It was four years after he made his live-action debut with Ghost Protocol, the Mission Impossible film. And it was his first work for Disney since Ratatouille in 2007. Based on the themed land at Disney theme parks, stars George Clooney a year after The Monuments Men did decent business, but with an all-star cast. Two years after Gravity was a smash hit, which he had a supporting role in. And he had not been the only name in a big budget film in his entire career. Every time he has been paired with someone else on that poster. This is the first time. 50 on Rotten Tomatoes, 60 on Metacritic. What do you think? It's got to be Tomorrowland, right? Yeah, Tomorrowland, definitely. It was uh, positioned as the big Memorial Day film. Yeah, there's there's a lot there's a lot said about Disney's inability to open live action movies, and there's clearly something to that. But still, the having the power of Disney behind you yeah. is pretty much always going to give you the easier road All to right. success. Tomorrowland stays alive, but I think it's about to get trounced because our next category. Further from success. Which is a thousand percent Mars Needs Moms. Yeah. First of all, first of all, need a better title. That's a hokey as shit title and sounds like it's a it's a it's a children's book in the nineteen fifties. Yes. Then you need to get a better voice cast. Then you need to figure out if that's the animation you want to do for the film. I think uh before all of those things, I... You know, we always say we don't want to just say write a better script, uh-huh. uh, but I can be more specific. Uh, decide on a tone for your movie. Sure. Because, uh, you know, you mentioned a bit the controversies going in. This is simultaneously a movie written for, like, basically babies uh, and a movie in which this guy, like, watches his mom suffocate almost to death oh, on yeah. Mars. Uh, and there's the scene about the other guy's mom who does just die Mm -hmm. and it's like it's just like trying to be like big and heavy and epic yeah yeah this guy his friend is almost executed by firing squad (laughs) uh and that's just not gonna work whereas tomorrowland needs just a better central idea and um that's really it. It just probably a star of some kind i mean clooney is but like there's no other role you know, I just yeah. I feel like with Clooney it could work if the movie is good because Clooney's not really the cell here. He's the added value element. The cell is like a big fantastical Disney film made by Brad Bird. Yeah, and it's like just not that exciting. No, nothing happens. Yet. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Mars Need Moms does need to change uh, quite a bit about it and advances uh, three to one. Incredible. Mars Needs Moms, the one seed. Moves on to the round uh, to the Sweet Sixteen Candles. Yeah, look at that. RC's mom is going to be a uh, going to be a very strong contender. Yeah, you know it's everything not, about it needs to change. It's not quite like you know like the level of badness that it's we in the see. Second tier, of but bad. it's really bad. I think it's in the second. It needs tier to change a lot and yeah. made twenty six percent of its budget back. All right, two movies that are in like the fourth or fifth tier for bad. So yeah. like bad, but like. Whatever. The three seed Playmobil the movie and the seven seed The Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle. Playmobil the movie was released December 6, 2019. Opening weekend, $600,000. Budget of 72. Final gross of one. Um, worldwide, $16 million. The Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle was released June 30th, 2000. Opening weekend, $7 million. A budget of 76. Final gross, 26 and 35 world. 
wide. Bigger profit relative to budget. Well, Playmobil cost 72 and made 16, profit of 22%. Bull, Rocky and Bullwinkle cost 76, made 35, profit of 46.1, goes to Playmobil the movie. It does. What are you thinking here for quality? I I think I, I, I agree that partially with what you said, uh, neither of these movies is quite approaching awful i think playmobil is uh pretty bad and quite bland uh and the sort of a uh, commercial aspect of it is not at all justified it's so I similar find... to mars needs moms with like a harrowing experience yeah right at the beginning sure parents dying uh in a uh, movie for babies uh rocky and bullwinkle i just kind of find like openly charming for a lot of it i yeah, i think the first half is way better than the second yeah it, it, do, it doesn't quite sustain itself for a whole movie but like i th- i think rocky and bullwinkle like definitely has stuff to recommend about it whereas yeah. playmobil is just not as obnoxious as i thought it would be yeah so i uh, i solidly go that playmobil is the worst movie here all right i agree two points for playmobil harder road to success let's just even Mentioned it. Rocky and Bullwinkle was supposed to not not a big film that summer, but it had De Niro. Sure. When Star Power still mattered, it got a push from a studio. I have qualms with Playmobil being in this tournament, but I think Marzi's Moms is going to crush it uh-huh. next weekend. So I think that it does win this well, round. What? Well, the category is easier road to success. Oh right. Well, that was Rocky. And Bullwinkle. So that's going to go to Rocky and Bullwinkle. Uh, oh, you're right. I don't know how our tournament works. But then uh, furthest from is going to be tough because, uh, again, this is where Playmobil moves on, and I think I agree that Mars Needs Moms will crush it, so we don't have to worry too much about it not quite being a real movie. Great. Uh, but it it does move on. Yeah. Next week, tune two weeks from now. Tune in for Mars Needs Moms crushing Playmobil the movie. To move on <laughs> and win the Hayao Miyazaki division. The Tony Scott division, the action films, those are always fun, right? Yes. I, what? Sorry, I just I was just comparing the uh, the number comparing the, the profits real quick and What is it? Uh, well Playmobil Playmobil's gonna win that one by like four points. That's fine. Yeah. I agree. It's gonna lose everything on else. To, on to Scott. Jack the Giant Slayer. The one seed takes on the fifth seed, Gods of Egypt. Oh, you didn't actually watch that whole thing. I saw enough of it. Oh, okay. The two seed, Jupiter Setting, takes on the three seed, Catwoman. Jack the Giant Slayer was released March 1st, 2013. Opening weekend, $27 million. Budget of one ninety-five. Final gross, 65 Domestic, 197 Worldwide. Gods of Egypt was released February 26, 2016. Opening weekend, $14 million. Budget of one forty. Final gross, 31 and 150 worldwide. Jack the Giant Slayer cost 100. That is not correct. And now we need to redo that math. Uh oh. It cost $190 million. Hold, please. Yeah, everyone just. Can, can everyone just hold on a second? I'm going to verify the uh, the budget. You, you have the thing, right? The, the uh, equation. I. I will conjure it in my head real quick. Uh, yeah, we'll do uh, we'll do Gods of Egypt real quick just to uh, 
Oh, you do God's Egypt. I'm going to find the equation. Yeah, not kill the air here. Uh, Gods of Egypt had a budget of $140 million. It grossed $150 million worldwide, which leaves it with a profit of 107%. I... Uh, and while you're doing the math, I am going to say that definitively, uh, Jack the Giant Slayer's number is going to get worse, not better. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and award the point to Jack the Giant Slayer with the uh, worst profit relative to budget there. Uh, it's just the wrong info. And the gross wasn't 82 either. Interesting point. Uh, the, gro- the gross was 197, which I'm also going to verify. I do have the equation. Okay. So as soon as I get the information, this will take two seconds. How's everybody doing out there? Well, I feel uh, like this yeah. is a concert. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Where, 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 where are you guys from? Here. Oh, cool. We love it here. We love coming here. We think it's great. Favorite we, city in the world. We think all of you are great. Who came the farthest? Who thinks they came the farthest? I came from Juneau, Alaska. That's pretty wow. That's pretty far. Did you come here specifically for this podcast, or do you? Do you are you visiting somebody here? I'm visiting you. <laughs> oh, that's my aunt. Sorry, I, I I really told them if I did crowd work to just not scream out, but I guess she did it anyway. Hi, think, Aunt Bonnie. I think you're getting a lot of Juneau, Alaska people in here. All right, you know what? No, I don't see your your family members coming to see the fucking show. Well, they're not coming from Juno. One one hundred one thirty seven. So, uh, Gods of Egypt, uh, or rather, Jack the Giant Slayer, still gets the point for worst profit, well, relative to budget. Relative, uh, though it's closer. All right, I'm just gonna delete all this so I know next time that I need to do that. All right, uh, quality of movie. Yeah, uh, Jack the Giant Slayer is like decent yeah. for a lot of it jack the giant slayer to me is kind of like a it's it's like a statue that's not finished yet Wow! in that like there is there is a good there's a good movie there uh it's just it's, it's still on the wrong it still also, needs it still needs chiseling like you still you you can't just stop working and be like i'm done and also but jack's like, like, I, jack's, I see... jack's the weakest character yes. of the whole, well yeah, i mean that's... him and the woman are but yeah but just like you, you see the form yeah. of a good movie kind of hidden beneath the jagged edges and stuff. Whereas yeah. I think Gods of Egypt is just bad. It's a bit of a mess. So uh, I vote Gods of Egypt for worst film. Yeah, I'd probably watch Jack before I watch Gods of Egypt. Well, maybe not, but I'm still going with you. All right. All right. What's the total? It's uh, tied. Tied 1 1. Jack the Giant Slayer uh, opened at number one against Identity Thief's fourth weekend and 21 and over's first weekend. It dropped to number two. The following frame, 64% drop. Brian Singer directed it. He's a piece of shit. His last blockbuster before this was Superman Returns seven years earlier. That cannot be correct. 9% on Rotten Tomatoes. 27 on Metacritic. <laughs> that is... I, what movie did you look I up? I have no idea. Oh, wait, it was, uh, I was doing, I put Catwoman shit there. Ah. <laughs> it was all Catwoman stuff, except for Brian Singer and everything before <laughs> yeah. that. But Brian Singer directed, Brian Singer directed Catwoman. Brian Singer, who's a piece Catwoman of shit, directed, uh, shit. directed X2 <laughs> with the woman in Catwoman. Um, are you looking that up? I'll look up Metacritic. Yeah. Uh, if this, if this seems like it's taking long to Google all this stuff, we're doing this with one hand. Yes, that is the case. So deal with it. Uh, yeah. Oh, God. 
What? See, with the pressure on, I'm moving slower than I should be. <laughs> what are you talking about? I mean, I need to do this quickly because we are actively recording this. Okay, Jack the Giant Slayer to 51 on Metacritic. And a 52 on Tomatoes. There we go. Deleting those as well, so I remember to change them. Meanwhile, Gods of Egypt opened to number two against Deadpool's third weekend and Kung Fu Panda's three's fifth weekend. It was number five the following frame, dropping 63%. Star Gerard Butler, his last big leading role before this was Olympus Has Fallen which made $99 million domestic three years earlier, 15 on Rotten Tomatoes, 25 on Metacritic. You know what I just realized? What? What's above on this spreadsheet if you scroll up? I, you mean like specifically or just? Yeah, just scroll straight up for me. Yeah, okay. I, What's that at the top? Catwoman v. Battleship. And go a little higher. Uh, Jack the Giant Slayer of Immortal Engines. Uh-huh. And what's on Jack the Giant Slayer's little column down there? Uh, the that I, I don't understand that question. It's the it's... correct stats that I needed. That oh. We spent all that time researching. Yeah, sure. It's just up on the spreadsheet. Yeah. Cool. Also, Gods of Egypt thing is wrong as well. So, I don't know what happened, man. I'm losing my mind. Doesn't matter. What category are we doing? Easier road to success. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Jack Dunsley doesn't star anybody. Jesus. But it also opened on its own as the big movie of that weekend, whereas I guess Gods of Egypt couldn't imagine Deadpool in its third weekend would make 31. Yeah. I... Gerard Butler's a thing. And, I, you know, we talk about this sometimes is... Is Gods of Egypt more likely to crack 140 than Jack the Giant Slayer is to crack two? Right. I, uh, I kind of think so. I mean, neither of these movies has like a ton going for it, but I think Gerard Butler is more added value star wise than uh, Ewan McGregor. Who? Ewan Who? McGregor. No, the first one. Gerard Butler. Yeah, but Gerard Butler was like the star of the movie. Yeah, well, that's that he's even so, more added value than I'm leaning Gods of Egypt is what I'm saying as easier road. I'm I'm gonna lean, I'm gonna lead Jack the Giant Slayer. Okay, just because it was the big adaptation, they really pumped a lot of marketing into it. All right, uh, so we'll uh, we'll split on that vote because I uh, yeah my my le- my leanings feel good to me. So uh, yeah. oh, marked the wrong thing there. All right, so we are uh, each two one in the opposite direction. Now furthest from, I uh, Jack the Giant Slayer's got to cost way less. I think they both do. Yeah, and so then as, yeah, so then true. as far as. What you need to change, it's probably just you need a lead of Jack, right? You need someone to be Jack. Yeah. Whereas, like, I think Gerard Butler for, like, a $100 million Gods of Egypt movie is, like, perfectly acceptable. Sure. But he's still, like, he's still the villain. Like, it's Gods of Egypt still stars two guys that aren't uh, drawn a donkey on a piece of paper. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. So I think I think both movies kind of need, but you you could l- sell a movie with a a big name as a villain. And yeah, that's it. You can't sell a movie on, and it also stars Hugh McGregor. 
that's true. I. But I I tend to agree. I just think that the namesake of your film is more important than like the heroes, like the little kind of, you know, Orlando Bloom in Pirates, which came out, you know, after. Oh, they probably filmed that after Lord of the Rings. All right, that's a bad example. After the first Lord of the Rings came sure. out. But you're saying that, like, he's the ostensible star of the movie, but is not, like, the named character, and also they've got Johnny Depp, so it's fine. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, whereas Jack the Giant Slayer is about Jack the Giant Slayer. Right. And he's a little, uh, a little boring boy. And that's not good. Uh, so that's that's probably the biggest thing. And, I mean, they got, like, a marquee, in a way, director with Jack. Like, Brian Singer yeah. is a name enough. Whereas no one knows of, like, his name was, like, Alex something. Yeah. So these, movie, these movies, like, seem very evenly matched. Yeah. In this. Uh, yeah. So maybe the fact that the budgets need to come down so much more on Jack... Yeah, I think... But you can also spend more on Jack the Giant Slayer than you can on Gods of Egypt. It is like an adaptation of a well-known story. Yeah, but I don't think it's a story that has, like, a lot of value. I don't I don't think you're really getting people to a point where they're like, wow, this Jap- Jack and the Beanstalk adaptation looks awesome. I'm very excited because it's Jack and the Beanstalk, you know? All right, I'll tell you what. I, I can see spending 140 on a God's Age movie if it stars anyone with Gerard Butler. Sure. I can't imagine spending $195 million Jack Giant Slayer, even if it stars. It has to be age-appropriate, so let's say, like... I don't even know who'd Who's, be age-appropriate. Yeah, like Michael B. Jordan. Sure. Yeah, that's a good a name as any. Yeah. So I, th- Aaron I think Taylor Chunts. I think Jack is further from success. I agree. I uh, so we both give the point to Jack there. You have Jack moving on. I have it tied to two legacy. So we go on to legacy. Well, is it the Brian Singer of it all, or is it the possibly the Chadwick of it all? I I don't think I don't think Chadwick really factors in. Okay, he's just he's a very small part small of the movie role, and yeah, is like role. this is just like the least interesting thing on his filmography people think of everything else before this i brian singer is quite bad brian singer as a negative uh, draw towards the legacy is worse than uh sort of like the whitewashing of gods of egypt which is still like bad i don't want to i want to sit here and be like well that's not so bad and this is bad like they're both bad but I well, still, well, Brian Singer is. Well, Brian like, Singer did his worst. Yeah, is more uh, actively destructive towards people's has, lives. I think it has to be Brian Singer. So yeah, I think I think, uh, I think on principle we just need to give the worst legacy to the Brian Singer film. I think in I this think, regard, I think I think that's right. The so one Jack seed, the Giant Slayer moves on. Jack the Giant Slayer moves on. The two seed Jupiter Sending takes on the three seed Catwoman. Jupiter Sending came out February 6, thousand fifteen. Mm-hmm. Opening weekend. Eighteen million dollars, budget of one seventy six, final gross forty seven and one eighty four. Catwoman was released July twenty third, two thousand and four. Opening weekend sixteen million dollars, a budget of a hundred, final gross of forty and eighty two. Jupiter Ascending cost one seventy six. It made one eighty four, a profit of one oh four. And Catwoman, as we've already heard, 
Had a budget of 100 and made 82, 82%, 0.1, goes to Catwoman. It does. Quality of movie, Noah, yes. I'll let you take this because Jupiter Ascending was your worst film of that year. Listen, I want. it's very important that you all not hear what I'm not saying. <laughs> uh, last time we talked about Jupiter Ascending on this podcast, uh, you were sort of of the opinion that, like, at least they're trying something. At least it's imaginative. You know, maybe it doesn't it doesn't hit. It doesn't work. But it is reaching for something. They took a swing. I, I do not ascribe to that feeling. Jupiter Ascending is <laughs> a to for my money a heinously bad movie. Uh-huh. Catwoman is worse. Like <laughs> by like pre- pretty significantly worse. <laughs> it's Just the basketball scene alone is worse is, than anything. Jupiter Ascending does. It is impressive for a movie to be so much worse than Jupiter Ascending, and yet here we are. <laughs> Remember when Sharon Stone flipped around at the end? Her body yes. just... <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> so funny. Uh, the movie's wild. I'm going to assume that you agree here. Her friend uh, that... being like, how come you haven't gargled any balls recently? And you're like, good lord. Yes. Her so horny friend who's like talking at the nurse's station in yeah. a hospital. It also just like looks just like amazingly looks cheap. Awful. Like the camera angles they're using are terrible. Oh, I remember when I, I was counting the length of the shots. Yeah. No not shot long. could get over <laughs> the shots are short. Unless it's an establishing shot, no frame is held for more than three seconds in Catwoman. It is astonishing. I agree. Catwoman's worse. Yes. Jupiter Ascending opened to number three against the SpongeBob movie, SpongeBob of Water, which was number one. And American Sniper was number two. Five, it ranked, I get like lost my head for a second and I just shut down. Jupiter Ascending came in at number five the next weekend, dropped 42%. The Wachowskis wrote and directed it three years after Cloud Atlas bombed. Starred Channing Tatum, two years after White House Down disappointed, and eight months after 22 Jump Street was a smash hit. Mm. 28 on Rotten Tomatoes, 40 on Metacritic Catwoman. Opened at number three against the Born Supremacy in its first weekend. I Robot in its second, and Spider Man Two in its fourth. That's a really crowded market. Number eight, no six in its second weekend, sixty-one percent drop. Uh, based on the popular Batman character, starred Halle Berry three years after winning Best Actress at the Oscars, two years after Buzzy role in as Jinx and Die Another Day. A year after X2 was critically claimed and commercially successful, and Gothica made okay money. Nine on Rotten Tomatoes. That's no, that is correct. Nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes, twenty-seven on Metacritic. Yeah. What did you win the Oscar for? I asked you that two weeks ago. Uh, this was uh, Monsters Ball. That's correct. Yes. All right. I'm going to be able to differentiate between Monsters Ball and Monster for at least the duration of Multiplex Sadness, and then I'll probably forget again. Okay. About a month after that. Uh, so easier road to success. I uh, this one to me is only tough because, as you mentioned, Catwoman has a very crowded opening weekend. I still think it's definitely Catwoman. Okay, I think that this was back when stars mattered, and so Halle Berry. Halle Berry is an enormous star. There was so much hype or just conversation centered around her Catwoman outfit. Yes. Uh, when that movie came out and it was a female solo led superhero film and it was Catwoman. It was like, it was, everyone was getting ready for the right person in the right role at the right time. That was kind of the feeling. Yeah. 
I so I say Catwoman. Jupiter I, Ascending is a big swing with uh, one non-star and one kind of star. I will. Uh, yeah, I will. Let, I will let you convince me because I was feeling Catwoman anyway. Yeah, but still, just looking at all those movies, going. I mean, it's a bad. We'll get into that tough. in a second. Well, it's a bad. It's a bad release date, but yeah. I just think that. It's you know it's the girl powered one and all those films that I read there are very male centered. Sure, I uh, and yeah I just think that it was like the star and the concept. Boom. Maybe we'll get into that when Catwoman comes up next time. But for now it is swept Jupiter ascending. All right, two weeks from now the one seed Jack the Giant Slayer watch it get beaten by Catwoman, <laughs> the three seed Catwoman. Much like Sharon Stone. <laughs> Sharon the Giant Slayer. All right. Nora Ephron Division, the Star Crashed Vehicles. The one seed Battlefield Earth takes on the fifth seed 47 Ronin, and the two seed Ballistic X vs. Sever takes on the three seed The Sorcerer's Apprentice. What did you just realize? I So I had uh, I had scrolled down a little bit uh, on the page as mm-hmm. I was uh, I was quickly making our little uh, score sheet for this division uh-huh. uh, where Battlefield was cut off. Oh, and so I had marked this as After Earth. <laughs> versus 47 Ronin because I just saw Earth and was like, ah, right, the Earth movie. Uh, Yes, Battlefield Earth is... uh, Can you you read these? Yes, I can. Uh, I get back to that page. So Battlefield Earth opened uh, May 12, 2000 to $11 million against a budget of 80. Its final gross was 21 with 29 worldwide. 47 Ronin, meanwhile, opened Christmas Day 2013 to $10 million with a $20 million five-day against a budget of 175 uh, Final gross was 38 and 151 worldwide. Profit relative to budget. Battlefield Earth cost $80 million and made 29 for a profit of 37%, whereas 47 Ronin cost 175 and made 151 for a profit of 87 so point one goes to Battlefield Earth. All right, quality of movie. Forty Seven Ronin is very boring. It's very boring. Battlefield Earth is a so bad. It's I. Uh, it's abysmal. It's a movie that you will often hear about uh, talked as like one of the worst movies and you're ever like, made. How could it be? It's on. It's on. It's on those lists that always make you go like, "Come on!" All right. Yeah. yeah chill out it's just because he has like weird hair and fingers it's so bad yeah and it's no, like it's oh bad. it's a sci-fi story that's not like written by asimov so well, yeah no it's hearing john travolta yell rat all the time you rat yeah. you know like that is just he is doing something on another level which is fun to watch but like the movie itself is just it's inconceivably. I, st- I still haven't gotten gotten over how they have the aliens just like calling people crapheads. I haven't gotten over the aliens have like HR and shit yeah. <laughs> like they're like I'll report you to HR. You yeah, know. and then you'll be they assigned. Drink, they drink or... like beer and shit. Put it on my tab. What? Yeah. No, it's... you're aliens. <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, uh, Battlefield for... Earth is impressively horrendously bad. Yeah, yeah. So a quick two zero for Battlefield Earth. <clears throat> Pardon me. Now we are uh, moving on to easier road to success. Battlefield Earth opened at number two. I'm going to get you 47's box office. I'll read those ones. Okay. I opened at number two. Uh, Gladiator was number one in its second weekend with 24 million. And U571 was number three in its fourth with five. I dropped to number six in its second weekend with a 66% drop. 
based on a book by L. Ron Hubbard. Have you heard of him? Woo-woo. Uh, a lot of Scientology related controversy around this movie, even back then. Uh, John Travolta was the star, or kind of, uh, the big name. Uh, came three years after Face Off, and uh, one year after The General's Daughter made $102 million. Meanwhile, 47 Ronin. Oh, and a 3% on Rotten Tomatoes and 9 on Metacritic. Yes, Pretty 47 low. Ronin debuted at number 9. Uh, at the box office, it debuted on a Wednesday, so twenty million for the five day, against The Hobbit: The Desolation of Smaug in its third weekend, Frozen in its sixth, Anchorman two in its second, and I can go all the way down the list till we get to number nine, sure, which is forty seven rounds. <laughs> uh, the next weekend, well, it was Christmas, so that helped a little bit, uh, or no, it wasn't Christmas; it was the week after Christmas, and it was at number eleven. Dropping 49%. Yes. Uh, Keanu Reeves uh, was your star. He was the uh, his first blockbuster that he led in about five years, uh, which was The Day the Earth Stood Still before that. Did just okay with $233 million worldwide. So easier road to success here. Yeah. I... Uh, I think it's Battlefield God, Earth. Could it be Battlefield Earth. I think it it's, is. I think on paper it certainly is. I I don't really see who remembers how, that Forty Seven Ronin even came out ever. I know. I don't see how Forty Seven Ronin is opening on a stacked Christmas day and going on to be like a huge hit. Do you even remember that being re- like like in two thousand thirteen? Do you remember going? Oh, Forty Seven Ronin's coming out. Kind of. Right. I but I think only because even then I was like. Why is Keanu Reeves starring in the Samurai movie? <laughs> uh, and then I did not see it. All right. Nor did anyone else. So we're going Battlefield Earth for Easier Road, uh, and Sweet. it advances. The one-seed Battlefield Earth advances. The next matchup, Ballistic X versus Sever, the two-seed against Sorcerer's Prentice, the three-seed. Indeed. Uh, Ballistic X versus Sever uh, opened September 20th, 2002 uh, to $7 million against a budget of 70. Final gross was fourteen million with twenty worldwide. The Sorcerer's Apprentice opened July fourteenth, two thousand ten, uh, to seventeen million, a twenty-four million five-day. Uh, its budget was one hundred and fifty million dollars, and final gross was sixty-three and two fifteen worldwide. Bigger profit relative to budget, uh, or smaller, as it were. Uh, Ballistic X versus Sever uh, had a budget of $70 million and a final gross of 20. It's a profit of 28.79%. Uh, Sorcerer's Apprentice, meanwhile, had a budget of 150 and a gross of 215, a profit of 143%. Yes. Point one goes to Ballistic um, X versus Sever. I didn't like the Sorcerer's Apprentice. I found it to be childish and dull and dumb. Sure. Ballistic X versus Sever was terrible another one of those movies we told uh, you there was a lot on this side of the bracket i'm like my my early instincts i feel like the ballistic and battlefield earth matchup uh might go a certain way in terms of quality but like there's a there's a question at least there's a conversation i believe i honestly thought like oh this will at least be like a fun action dumb movie sure i know it's supposed to be bad it famously is a zero on rotten tomatoes but I was like, yeah, but it'll still be like an action movie. Like, you know, whatever. There's stuff I can get behind. I, I'm finding that's less and less the case. Like, Cradle to the Grave is the same thing. Yeah. Where I was like, there's something I can do here. No. Just deeply stupid. Incomprehensible. Uh, yeah, incredibly bad movie. Yeah. Ballistic. Uh, so that's going to move up a quick 2 nothing here. 
Uh, we move on to our stats. Ballistic X versus Sever opened at number four. Barbershop was number one in its second weekend with 13, and the Banger Sisters number one in its first with 10. It fell to number eight in its second weekend with a 61% drop. It starred Antonio Banderas. It had been uh, four years since his last leading blockbuster hit with The Mask of Zorro, made $94 million. And a year after uh, Spy Kids hit, and Original Sin did not. Uh, Lucy Liu, meanwhile, his co-star, uh, this was two years after Charlie's Angels was a big hit. Uh, as you said, a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 19 on Metacritic. Sorcerer's Apprentice, meanwhile, opened at number three. Inception was number one in its first weekend with $62 million, And Despicable Me, number three in its second with 33 uh, it fell to number four in its second weekend with a 45% drop. Directed by John Turtletob. It's been uh, three years since National Treasure Book of Secrets made... i got to scroll to the right. $459 million worldwide. Uh, and uh, that was nearly $50 million more than the original National Treasure did. Uh, starring Nicolas Cage, uh, who had been in Knowing the previous year about a plane or something... Uh, and that made $80 million domestic. I think the plane was on fire. Uh, Sources Apprentice had a 40% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 46 Metacritic. All right, so... I feel like it must be Sources Apprentice for the easier road. Jerry Bruckheimer, team of National Treasure, big kind of Harry Potter energy, sure. Disney backing it, summer movie. The... I, I think it at least has to be said... The competition that weekend is fierce. That's true, but there's no one thought Despicable Me was going to open to like 69 mil, whatever it made. Sure. No one thought that was the case. It probably probably could have forecasted Inception doing pretty well, though, with I'm sure, guessing but in, a. Inception like... is an adult film, though. Inception isn't for 10 year olds, whereas this is. It's similar to like, um, you know, like you could open like the Dark Knight against like uh, well, no, that's a bad example. That crushed everything. You could open Batman Begins against like a movie like G Force. Sure, it's like possible those two can thread the line. But I mean, Ballistic is opening against nothing. I agree. I just think that I I feel like the Sorcerer's Apprentice was supposed to be for a slightly older audience than you're giving it credit for, and uh, it's just like, what do you think the age range like, is for Sorcerer's Apprentice? I I feel like if the Sorcerer's Apprentice was like supposed to be primarily for ten year olds, uh -huh. it wouldn't star uh, Jay Baruchel as a college student. Like I th I think you're going like the kid who would be king kind okay, of thing. So what what number? So Sorcerer's Sorcerer's Apprentice, I think they kind of wanted. I think they probably wanted to get like young young adults like college student type age no you're out of your you thought like 20 year olds yeah i don't think that i don't think they it was pg i don't think it they pursued them well is that true all right well, pretty sure i'll look up the rating right. but that that might throw a wrench into my plans i just i don't understand why it was pg would, okay why why Said it with college students. I don't know. So put them in high just, school just to make it so different from Harry Potter in a way. I, yeah, I guess. I don't know. All right. I then yes, I will. I will concede then that the Sorcerer's Apprentice was not 
quite directly competing with Inception. But on, at the same time, like a you know seventy million dollars a lot, but like a big action thriller with two relatively famous people. Yeah. In two thousand two, isn't like a terrible bet to make. Yeah, but but Sorcerer's Apprentice does have a lot of sort of like institutional big momentum power behind, behind it. it. Yeah. Whereas Ballistic just like could have named done after well. a segment in Fantasia. You know. Uh yeah. So that will uh, give at least one point there to Sources Apprentice. Let's talk further from success. Uh, we'll put aside the better scripts. Yes. And the better directors. Because Ballistic is shot to shit. Um, might be. I think it's Sorcerer's. I think it needs to cost. I think they both need to cost less. But Sorcerer needs to get to 100. Whereas Ballistic can like be fine at like 50. Yeah. And I agree, it needs to get... It, it It would need to be put in the same slot as National Treasure. It did, you guys did so well with National Treasure being released in November and carrying out through the holidays. Do the same with this. The Harry Potter, the first two were released in November as well. Yeah. And the fourth was and the seventh was or something. I don't know. A couple of them were. I... I know we have our rule. I do think at least something needs to be said for the fact that Ballistic is just like... So bad. It's such an incompetently made movie yeah. that it would it's impossible for it to hit as is. So I think I think we need to account for that a little What's bit. What's the current I, uh, total for these? I, Ballistic is up two to one here. Gotcha. I, Sorcerer's Apprentice does have a lot going against it. I, you know, that... That opening weekend is tough. Needs to change. It, like like we were saying, it does need to focus on something. Adults or kids or sure. something in between. I agree. You can make him like a freshman in high school and it's, it's fine. Yeah. I, or just like, I mean, like I just, just make him older. I don't know. The... So like you're talking about National Treasure. That's just a movie about adults. Yeah. But like it's for it's forever as a family movie. But right. like kids like it. Yeah. But I feel I feel like when you have the college age kid in there, he is meant to be like an avatar right. for the watcher, and the young kids just aren't gonna catch on to like this TA. <laughs> I. So yeah, that's. It's obviously nowhere near as bad, but it is possible that Sorcerer's Apprentice does need. Like, have more, like, broad strokes fundamental flaws, right. whereas the biggest flaw with Ballistic is just bad. that it is very, very insanely bad. terrible. Yeah. So, so, I think point goes to Sorcerer. Yeah, I uh, I will agree and vote to vote for it as well to tie it up. And then as far as Legacy, I don't think anyone's going to be remembering Sorcerer's Apprentice. I, I, I know it's a kind of a, you know, a gray mark on Nicolas Cage's career and Bruckheimer and the people who made it. Sure. But I don't think it's talked about anymore. And to the extent that Ballistic is talked about, it it's, it's it's mentioned as one of the biggest flops. And also the 0%, that's that conversation over. It's very hard the, to do. The 0% on Rotten Tomatoes is the biggest, maybe one of the biggest pieces of legacy we have in this competition. Yeah. That is a huge deal. Battlefield so, Earth has a nine. Yeah, so that has to go to Ballistic. And yeah, that's going to be real hard for Ballistic to be beaten at that. I agree. All right. I... So next week, two weeks from now, in fact, the one-seed Battlefield Earth takes on the two-seed Ballistic X versus Sever. 
I'd say, uh, oh, yeah. We're putting a lot of shitty movies in play for you, Ahmad, whenever you're jumping on. <laughs> that's, an, that's another uh, another Pluto, Nash, and Geely kind of really matchup. Is. It really is. All right. Our last it's division. It's nice that we haven't peaked yet. The Justin Lin division. The franchise enders, the films that continue their franchises only to stop them dead in their tracks. The four seed Alice Through the Looking Glass takes on the eighth seed Son of the Mask, and the two seed Dark Phoenix takes on the six seed The Divergent Series Allegiant. Neat. I. Uh, yeah, so I will jump back in here. Alice Through the Looking Glass. Opened May 27th, 2016. Uh, its opening weekend was $27 million, a $33 million four-day, against a budget of 170 with a final gross of 77 and 299 worldwide. Son of the Mask, meanwhile, opened to uh, $7 million on February 18th, 2005, a $9 million four-day. The budget of $84 million, a final gross of 17 and 60 worldwide. Talking profit relative to budget, Alice Through the Looking Glass cost 170 and made 299 for a profit of 176%, whereas Son of the Mask cost 84 and grossed 60 for a profit of 71.1 goes to Son of the Mask. Quality of movie. Hey, guess what? Son of the Mask is also one of the worst movies we've seen in this competition. Yes, and... In a way that is kind of distinctly impressive, because I think we both agreed through 20, maybe 30 minutes. Until he puts on the mask. Yeah, like Son of, Son of the Mask was bad, yeah, but not quite like so offensively yeah. bad. And, and then he puts on that mask yeah. and sings a 20-minute song in an hour and a half movie. It's still, it somehow manages to come back and be in conversation with the ballistics and, and with Battlefield the Battlefield's Earth. Earth. I, uh, How do you know? Yeah, town and country, etc. Yeah. No, yeah. that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Son of the Mask uh, goes up a quick 2-0 against Alice Through the Looking Glass. All right. Uh, easier road to success. Yes. I mean, we don't even have to read those. Uh, yeah, that will be uh, Alice Through the Looking Glass. <laughs> yes, a thousand percent. Uh, taking its first point, coming off being uh, one of the most successful and movies. We don't even have to read this. What needs to change more? Son of the Mask. Yes. You need Jim Carrey in your... Mo- who would who would you accept other than him? Uh, other than Jim Carrey. Uh, hang on. This... Uh, in 2005. 2005. Other than Jim Carrey. Uh, God, I don't even know. It's Adam Sandler? Yeah, Sandler yeah. could do... I was thinking Sandler... Wolf Ferrell, it's a year after Anchorman. Yeah, okay. Two years after Elf. Yeah, Wolf Ferrell would do. He could do it. Uh, um, anyone who's a comedy star. Yeah, even even like the you know the not quite that famous yet, but get get Seth Rogen, get uh, a, a Steve Carell. Yeah, year before before the old version. Steve, Steve Carell, a great. They're not going to sell g- tickets, but it'll be better of a movie. Yeah, they they still will have more drawing power than Jamie Kennedy. <laughs> and I mean, Jamie Kennedy at that point had starred in his own film that did like okay. And had a TV show that some people watched. Yeah, I'm still... It's good for him. All right. But I I think there's at least a chance when you put, like, good funny people in a movie, if it's, like, funny again, that it'll catch on. And this movie never had a chance of catching on. For better or worse, Alice Through the Looking Glass got Johnny Depp back. 
Son yes. of the Mask did not get their Johnny Depp back. That is why. Yeah. It's moving on. Not only did it get Johnny Depp back, but like it I I haven't seen the original Alice in Wonderland, but I know the gist of the story. Yeah. I feel I feel like Through the Looking Glass put more focus oh, yeah, on Johnny Depp. I mean, I think he was like a big thing. They knew he was he was doing his big weird thing. Sure. But then they were like, "Oh, okay, yeah, we'll just give you only him." Yeah, you are the plot of the movie. I mean, movie. he's also he's I would say only him. He's not really in the movie, but yeah. The movie hinges on his character. Yeah. The Lords of Arabia conference is stacked. In a bad way, but yes, yes it is. The uh, 2 seed Phoenix, uh the Dark Kind, Dark Phoenix takes on the 8 seed the Alleg- the Divergent series Allegiant. Yes. Uh, Dark Phoenix opened June seventh, twenty nineteen, uh, to thirty three million dollars against a budget of two hundred. Final gross of sixty six domestic and two fifty two worldwide. Allegiance opened March eighteenth, twenty sixteen, to twenty nine million dollars, budget of one hundred and ten. Final gross of sixty six million, but only one seventy nine worldwide. When you're talking profit relative to budget. Dark Phoenix cost two hundred and made two fifty two for a profit of one twenty six. Allegiant only cost one ten with a gross of one seventy nine and a profit of one sixty three. We both saw these movies, all these movies. Yeah. The Divergent series Allegiant cost twenty six million dollars more than Son of the Mask. And yeah. like eleven years later, it looks so much better it does this is that is wild this is the kind of thing i'm always talking (laughs) about when i when i say like you just got to find a way to make your movie for a hundred million dollars it looks better than the twilight movies yeah like it costs more than the twilight allegiant looks big and fine it doesn't have like graphics that are gonna blow the doors down but it also never makes me go like ew right and it's, it's it has scale to it and they just they did it you just watched Still didn't work. Twilight Saga breaking down a little bit. A, a few, little bit. A, 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 a few minutes of it. Yes. That costs 136 Allegiant looks so much better than that, too. Yeah. Very strange. They did a good job. Same company. I mean, they didn't do a good job. You know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What, what's the point? Who gets uh, the point so there? Dark Phoenix had the worst profit relative to budget. Guess what? It also has the worst movie. Yes. Uh, Dark Phoenix is worse than Allegiant. Which, which is, is also bad. Yes. is bad in like a half movie. Yeah. It's bad in like a passive way. Yes. Where I'm just like, yeah, it's just bad. Like, I don't need to talk about it. Dark Phoenix is like, they really fucked this up. Yes. It's quite terrible. I. Uh, now we move on to your easier roads, et which, cetera. Uh, I, th- I mean, I think it's Dark Phoenix. Still has the uh, still has the momentum of like I I understand they're doing the same story they did and that is part of it uh-huh. that they did this in X Men the Last Stand that was thirteen years earlier, um but you're bringing everybody back, you know I, except for the first trilogy characters, but you're centering it around um Sansa Stark did that end in nineteen or twenty that ended in nineteen nineteen. Right? Yes. Yeah. So right after that ends, you got Jessica Chastain joining the cast. Divergent adds Jeff Daniels and is coming off a franchise that the first two made decent money, but nobody liked and is going to have no room for growth. I just feel like on paper, I can understand like the dark. I don't know. Actually, that's a good question because they just did that storyline. See, 
I don't think that that is a as big an impediment to success. It's a reason to make fun of the movie and a reason that like people like you and me aren't going to like it. Right. But I think people like things that they're familiar with. I think this is why this is a this is similar to why like, you know, people like you and I will complain endlessly about how trailers just kind of give away the whole movie mm-hmm. these days, but like people broadly like that. They like knowing what they're going to see. It makes them more likely to see it. Uh, so the business people would tell me, at least. Uh, so I suspect the fact that this was just the plot of X3, basically, the Dark Phoenix story, was not that big of a negative so for do you the also think broader... this had the easier road, then? Yeah. Yeah, because I, I think the... The next one movie has an easier road every time than a Divergent movie. Yeah, it's it is it has never been the highest grossing superhero franchise, but still, it's a major superhero franchise in 2019. It has uh, quite a bit more momentum behind it. Yeah. and Even though and it's yeah, coming off of the worst film sure. in the franchise. So it was uh, Divergent. All right. <laughs> So yeah, Dark Phoenix would take a uh, quick 3-0 uh, victory against the Divergent series Allegiant. In two weeks, the 8th seed, Son of the Mask, takes on the 2 seed, Dark Phoenix. But next week, the Sweet 16 begins. How sweet it is. Here are the matchups you to can expect by us. next week. The 1 seed, John Carter, will take on the 7th seed, Green Lantern. I don't know which one that you're more excited for. The one seed Alexander takes on the three seed Cats. The That's one seed good. Evan Almighty will take on the seven seed Gili. And the two seed Fantastic Four will take on the four seed Doolittle. I I think the two middle ones will be the most. That Evan Almighty Gili one is interesting because one yeah. of them is terrible and the other one made the worst business decision of the tournament. Yes. So. Uh, and then Alexander and Cats just feels like. I don't know, those those movies feel like they mesh well together yeah. in a matchup. All right, that is next week, uh, and that's it for the episode. Noah, plug us up. All right, uh, you can come find us at whatsintheboxoffice.com. We are on Twitter at WitBoxOffice. Uh, that is also our Instagram handle. I am on Twitter at Noah Drukey. I am at Brian DeServer, D-S-U-R-B-E-R. Uh, of course, the feed for our podcast can be found anywhere podcasts are found. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Stitcher. We are on uh, the Google one. I, the Google one. Yes, I've uh, I've just forgotten because I was trying to come up with a transition uh, in my head, and so now I'm just going to say it. On the, all those platforms, you can listen to us, among other things, recommend a movie the to Google, the folks. The Google one. Uh, um, yeah, the Google one. Uh, go see The Northman. Oh, my God. Guys, there's this little movie called The Northman. <laughs> Noah cannot wait for this movie. And uh, I think it's a movie that no one's going to see, so I think everyone should go. You think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be really bad? The movie's going to uh, be no, bad? No, you think the uh, the numbers are going to be really bad? Yeah. All right. Do you think it's pulling it? It may cost $90 million. It needs to make like 35 in order to have a successful run here. Well, that's unlikely. Yeah. But I'd I, be shocked if it makes over 10. Okay. That's a... Uh, I'm, I'm hoping for something in the middle of those. I'm hoping this is a... Sm- for 19. Is, yeah, basically. I'm hoping this is a smaller scale... Uh, Blade Runner 2049 situation oh. where it's like this movie is a financial failure it did not make its budget back and never was going to but still 
made a lot of money for being a super weird and super specific genre movie. Okay. Well, uh, I hope you're right, but that's what I, I recommend. I'm, I'm fully prepared for it to not be the case. I, uh, but if there's even a chance that Robert Eggers is going to turn into a sort of like semi mainstream, uh, indie director kind of guy, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, cr- I'm crossing my fingers. All right. Maybe that would actually be for the worse, but well, we'll see next week is, output of cool things we'll see next week when the northman comes out we'll see how hard fantastic beast drops and whether drops and whether sonic the hedgehog can level off plus the unbearable weight of massive talent and the bad guys both open bearable with massive uh the unbearable weight of massive talent i'm checking now i'm pretty sure is getting pretty good reviews how big of a segment do you think that movie devotes to the sorcerer's apprentice uh, very little, but they do show um, a clip from his movie called Guarding Tess, which he was played like a Secret Service. Oh, sure, I know Guarding agent. Tess. Yeah, then nobody talks. Nine forty-five reviews in, ninety-six on Rotten Tomatoes right now. All right, so it's supposed to be good. We should try to go with a crowd at some point. Well, maybe not. Anyway, that's next week. Also, the Sweet Sixteen begins. I also want to plug quickly. I'm doing a series with uh, our good friend Ahmad Oates and Thinking Outside the Boombox. We're doing a series called Real Rhythm, R-E-E-L, Rhythm, about uh, the connection of hip-hop and movies, the history of it, the best of it. Uh, This first episode we did was about the best songs, hip-hop songs made for film, and we ranked them and talked about six or seven of them. Next week we're doing biopics, rap biopics. And we got a whole bunch. We're doing different genres. The rappers turn movie stars. We're kind of discussing it all uh, as he winds down his podcast. That's Thinking Outside the Boombox. You can find that everywhere. It's the same places you can find our podcast, thinkingoutsidetheboombox.com, and Twitter at T-O-T-B, the podcast. And that is it. This has been it for What's in the Box Office. I've been your host, Brian. And I've been your host, Noah. We'll see you next week. And until then, if you feel safe, go see a movie.